Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles. And today, the public betas of iOS 17, macOS Sonoma, and all the software is out. We'll talk about some of the changes there. I, uh, I broke my iPhone. I dropped it. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Also, Apple opened up a store on WeChat. Apple's now on Threads, kind of. Rip Evernote. And I want to talk about Bear 2.0. This episode is brought to you by ZocDoc. And joining me by hook or by crook, the one who had some beta issues, joining Wes. How's it going, Wes? I'm I'm drowning in the betas. Drowning in the betas. Everything is on a beta. I'm pretty sure my microwave is running the beta right now. So everything's on the beta. Your DVD player, your turntable. Listen, this is you. You know, we tell people now that the public beta is out. I feel like this is an ideal time to reiterate: install betas at your own risk. Today, uh, Wes informed me he's running the beta on his his shoes on his shirt, <laughs> on his AirPods Max. Also, mm-hmm. apparently, the lightning the headphone adapter to his AirPods Max gets a beta. Everything's on a beta, and so he's hearing an echo or something while we record today, and we can't figure out why. Yeah, it, it could be Riverside. It could be Chrome. It could be the beta. It could be anything. We troubleshot yeah. what we could. We even moved to the iPad, and the Riverside app also had an echo. It could yeah. be the Thunderbolt dock we're using. I don't know. Which your iPad is also on the beta. Do you have anything not on a beta right now? Um, My car is currently right working as intended factory settings so basically every apple device you have is on a beta that's really uh something and it's fine and you know uh, other than okay yeah today's kerfuffle (laughs) aside yeah we spent 25 (laughs) minutes or so playing around with different headphones a different trying to figure out what was going on here yeah that was a waste of time but beyond that that's all right beyond that i I haven't had any issues um stuff like this is going to creep in uh this is a very very specific example of like yes betas break things but honestly if this is the worst thing i I have to deal with i think i'm i'm uh, no regrets i'm, I'm good no regrets no regrets mm. well so regrets no regrets yeah. we're gonna talk about more about the betas too because there were some changes especially in mac os sonoma make me uh might have me do the public beta we'll see but one uh, five-star review thank you 17 mika 07 from germany they said um uh, forgive me i'm gonna try and pronounce this this is german i think hopefully i'm saying something okay Machtsuviter. That's what they said in the in the review. So someone from uh, who speaks German, let me know what that means. I'm not going to translate it here. I could translate it instantly if I just right click it and just ask my Mac to translate. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to ask you listeners help me translate that. But uh, yeah, all the way from Germany. So appreciate that five star review. Now, Whisper, I don't know if you were on when we talked about saving links and such. I think it was with William. I discussed this. Yes. Okay. So I, I would love to hear your your method. I. I'm 98% sure it's just reading list or Apple Notes. But you you tell me in a second. Uh, had a listener, A.L. Willis, I believe on Mastodon, says, and I'd heard this app before, but he brought it back to mind, Raindrop. He uses Raindrop to do saving links and reading later. And it is, Raindrop is a very nice uh, app as well. And so I'll put a link to that in the show notes. So thank you, Al, for sending that over. But how do you save links? What's your method? There are people who have made their entire career out of read it later and yeah. how they handle this. And I will tell you, I don't. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so that, so, uh, so I, again, I've, I've always been an aspirational nerd, right? I see what other people are doing and I'm like, man, I want to get into that. I want to, I want to have my own like library of links and things and i've played around with different tools like i've i've tried uh like when i was an ipad only user i would use these um the the pasteboards and then organize my own link lists or um i would create notes and apple notes and save links there but right now my method and the best method i have because what you're referring to is basically you are on a web page and you see something and you're like, I need to get back here easily, right? And you're just going to save the right. link somewhere. Or someone sends you an article or you see a video, but it's not on YouTube, so you can't tap watch later. 
You're like, I want to save this somewhere to refer All right, back. So right now I have two things. One, Siri bookmarks and reading list, obviously. Right. My reading list is currently empty, shocker. But yes, if I run into something, I'm like, man, I need to go back and read this or something. That's where it goes is my Safari reading list. And then, of course, I am using the now three-tiered structure, Safari profiles, tab groups, uh. tabs. So if I'm doing something for work, I have an editorial place where I keep all of my writing links, everything I'm working on in that moment. Then there's a place for social. There's a place for other tools. Sure. And then sure. for my personal uses, I have a shopping tab, a finance tab group, like all of these things and separated again into different profiles. So I have, I have a system and it works and way down the structure. If there's like a link to a, like, say wish list or something like i have a shared wish list with my girlfriend so right. we know what kind of presents we can buy each other just stuff like that like it's very of the moment i don't have sure. a tool that i go to but when i find something i need to save i have a destination it just depends on what it is well very good well let us know listeners if you got any more recommendations out there we'll add them to the next show now i also wanted to mention this is not a question but at flwxpx on twitter said they never really got into podcasts until they listen to Apple Insider and they listen to new episodes every week. So thank you for that. Stephen, before we get too heavy into this, and uh, I know we're going to talk some betas. Yeah. I've done something very different for my beta testing period. Yeah. I am all in on Apple apps, down to the weather app. <laughs> okay. Now, of course, if there's something that Apple doesn't cover, like Apple doesn't have a food tracking app, right? So I'm still using food sure, noms or... Sure. I bought a Hydrate Spark, so I still need the app for that. But uh, as yeah. far as like apps go, like notes, reminders, calendar... All in on first party Apple apps, and uh, it's been interesting so far. So, like when you're when we're discussing stuff right now, it's it's Apple. So, how do you know? How do you find links that people have shared with you? There's a section called Shared with You in Safari. It's definitely interesting, kind of dog fooding this because we we do discuss it and we write about it at Apple Insider. And I wanted to take a different approach this year and see like the idealized power user version of Apple's like use cases because obviously Apple builds all this stuff. Anyone, is anyone actually using it the way they, that they intend to, right? Yeah. Well, and, and again, I have the beta running on a, on a side device, but I have been, uh, Apple podcast, I think is going to be the one big change for me come iOS 17. Once it's out publicly and I have it everywhere, I think I might finally move to Apple podcasts. I, I, I went ahead and did it uh, from overcast and you want to know why? I find it incredibly interesting that they're doing this new thing where you can sign in to podcast feeds using different accounts. So now you can use Apple News Plus to sign in to Apple Podcasts. Or if you have a Wall Street Journal subscription, you can sign in to Apple Podcasts with that account. And that's a feature no one else has replicated and I don't think we'll be able to easily replicate. So Apple Podcasts has finally crossed that threshold of you can only do it here Again, that changes what a podcast is. Like, obviously, the Apple podcast still does just straight RSS podcasts, but they're really feeding a lot of new features into it, and uh, I find it interesting. If only they could give us some version of smart speed, but otherwise, pretty solid experience. I'm actually enjoying the Up Next queue. Um, They finally kind of fixed that. (laughs) Yes, they, they have, and public betas are out. So if you wanted to run the iOS 17 beta, but you didn't get in on the developer train, You can now do it for public beta. What you do, you go to beta.apple.com. You sign up with your Apple ID. Again, I think I said this on a previous episode, but we discovered that you don't have to use the same Apple ID for the beta program that you use with the iCloud ID that's signed into the device. And the reason why I said like that was a deal for me, I was using uh, my dad's old iPhone, which still had his iCloud account logged into the phone. 
but I was able to log in with my personal Apple ID, which was registered to the developer program. And you can actually sign in with that different account. So just so you know, would you go sign up beta.apple.com? And once you do that, there's no more profile to download. It's actually very simple. Once your Apple ID is registered, you go just to the device where you want to install the beta. You go to the settings app, general software update, and then you will see the option to just install the beta. And it's that easy even on like the Apple TV and on iPad. I did it with the Apple TV as well. Like once your Apple ID is signed into the beta program, it doesn't mean that all your devices are going to download the beta. It just means you now have the option in this little menu to say, I want to be on the public release, or I want to be on the public beta, or I want to be on the developer beta. If you have a developer account with that Apple ID. It's very easy to sign up. You can do it at your own risk, just so, just so you know. You might still have bugs. It took all of about four seconds to do this. I, I set it up for my girlfriend because we have a rule in this house, uh, betas on everything. So That's your rule even for her? Like no, 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 no. I'm, I'm joking. But she, oh, okay, she was okay. interested in trying out a couple of little things. And uh, okay, it, okay. As, as funny as it is, it's like, yeah, I really want to try that grocery list in the reminders app kind of thing, right? Like sure, contact sure. posters and stuff. It's all it's all very fun. Uh, of course, I went through the, uh, so what's actually new in here? And I'd say, well, you know, I've been using this for a few weeks, so I actually completely forgot what's actually different about this thing. Right. We're, we're having fun with it. But uh, I do want to mention I moved all of my HomePods to the public beta because I did, you have to be on Apple Seed to get the developer beta, right. which I am not. That's like Apple's special, like higher tier developer program. Right. So I finally got all of my HomePods on the beta and that's nice. But uh, I, while we're here, I did want to mention, I'm having an interesting, I'm assuming it's a beta issue. I don't know. But so previously, I, I'm, I've i removed Sonos from my household, right? Okay. Now I'm fully all in on HomePods. And in my living room, I have a pair of HomePods set up connected to an Apple TV 4K. They're the newest versions of everything, uh, hardware-wise. Right before WWDC is when I did this. So I was running tvOS 16, and the HomePods were on 16. 17 didn't exist yet. Right. If I remember right, because I, I would have noticed everything was in sync perfectly. I would watch movies and stuff and video and audio was perfectly in sync i didn't have to do anything and then betas come along i installed the tvos beta and then the home pods are on 16.5 so even those are technically a beta uh, just not the same one and i started noticing there's about a two millisecond dip in audio and i'm like hmm so i changed too many variables i bought a new tv <laughs> So now I don't know if it's the betas or the TV causing this issue. And there's no setting in the TV that I can change that'll fix this. But I was wondering if any of our listeners was crazy like me, or even if you're not on the betas, just if you have an Apple TV and HomePod set up to a home theater system, are your is your audio perfectly in sync on uh, uh, TVOS 16? And if you're running the betas on everything, is it perfectly in sync on all of those all of that equipment as well? I'm trying to get kind of a idea here because if it is a hardware thing that I can mess with on my TVs, or maybe I can just change out an HDMI cable. That would be great. But <laughs> so far, every version of uh, every beta, uh, like I, I check every single time, still out of sync. Now, here's here's the tricky part. I don't believe it's out of sync when I'm playing a video game. That means going through eARC to my PlayStation, it seems like it's fine. Only on the Apple TV is it out of sync. So something is weird, and that's why I'm assuming it's a beta issue. That's annoying, yeah. With iOS 17, the biggest thing, like I was saying, you're going all in on Apple apps. Mm -hmm. And I was in a lot of Apple apps anyway. Like I use mail, I use reminders, although like the grocery features, any list is still like amazing, like the best. Wait, them. you're not on OmniFocus? Yeah, no, 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 I, don't, I don't roll like that. <laughs> uh, so I still on mail, although I do use Fantastical, not changing away from that. Contacts, I don't use a third party app for that. But anyway, the podcast app being the one app that I might switch to for a couple reasons. Again, I've been a Pocket Cast user for a very long time. The main thing that's kind of an issue there is 
it doesn't integrate with like home pods and stuff like that very well where you can't like say resume my podcast ask siri to do it and it just picks up where you left off you can set up shortcuts for that which i have done but it's not super reliable whereas when you listen with apple podcasts it stays a little like you can ask the home pod to play and it just does it but i will say the podcast app in ios 17 they're making little tweaks with every developer and public beta update and it is very good like you said adding new episodes to the queue and then managing the queue very nice i really like that it seems like they've fixed some of the show notes formatting where before show notes would kind of be like squished sometimes and there would be like no paragraph breaks where you wanted paragraph breaks it seems like that's been fixed and the now playing screen is very nice it took me a second they moved chapters mm-hmm. where before if you just swiped up you would see both the show notes and the chapters i kind of wish you could still see the show notes on like this now playing screen. You have to go to the show page. You have to go to the episode and show page and then you can see all the show notes. So I do feel like that's a little bit of a step backwards. I do feel like having the show notes one swipe away or one tap away would be better, but I do like how they now have chapters. So when you hit the little up next cue button at the bottom, which is like the three lines, you have the up next episodes, whatever you have that will play next after what you're listening to. And that I like the little chapter now. At the very top, there's now this like little chapter widget at the very top. And when you hit the arrow, you can expand to see all the chapters. A big change, which I really loved about Pocket Cast, which is now an Apple podcast, it tells you how long each chapter is rather than telling you the start time, which was kind of a useless piece of information. Seeing like 57 minutes, it didn't mean that that chapter was 57 minutes. It means that chapter started at the 57 minute mark in Apple Podcasts, which is not as useful. So I like this chapter layout. I like that you see the duration of each chapter. You can tap on to jump to it, shows the chapter artwork and all that. And I love that they now show the episode artwork in the episode listing page. And so if you, I'm going to now work to add episode artwork to all of the episodes in Apple Insider Show and HomeKit Insider. So you see those nice little pieces of artwork in the episode listing. But it is a huge step forward. It syncs nicely with HomePods. The now playing and the show pages are very nicely designed. I haven't tried this yet. And uh, do you have CarPlay? I forget. Um, I currently do not. Okay. I'm curious if the chapters are available in CarPlay for a podcast episode. I realized the other day, as I've been using Apple Podcasts more, that on iOS 16, I cannot navigate by chapter in the CarPlay interface. And I'm wondering if that's changed with iOS 17. I'm going to test that uh, this week and I'll try and report back. But that was the only kind of negative. I like I like podcasts on iOS 17. Yeah, it, it's interesting that Apple's putting more effort in and I, I like the little details like the, the episode art. That's really cool. And I just I just hope it continues to do well. I mean, it's it's fun to uh, log in and like you, you keep posting, you know, where our episodes show up on the charts and everything. And I just like that Apple podcast is continuing to chug along and kind of push the industry forward, which is uh, nice for us. Yeah, I did want to bring up uh, another little beta bit. Yeah, running the HomePod betas. I got to test out the new Siri function oh. where you don't have to say hey anymore. Oh, right, right, right. Right. So uh, people have been asking about this, trying to figure it out. And I, I haven't really heard it covered yet because, again, you have to be on the Apple Seed program to be on the proper beta. So now that we're on the public betas, you can actually test this. And you have to go into settings and you have to turn it on. It's not on by default. Uh, so I changed it to say, because it'll still listen for the hey. Uh, uh, so I'm not going to say it because that'll activate everyone's HomePods. And that was the problem before. If you say the wake word at all, 
all, the HomePod activates and starts listening. When it's just Siri, the HomePod's actually listening for a lot more context. And I tried this for a couple examples. Just saying Siri in a sentence doesn't do anything. The HomePod doesn't activate, it doesn't even light up, it doesn't even respond. Really is looking for Siri plus command. Uh, it, like, And it needs more context around it. And uh, I, Of course, this isn't going to be foolproof and it's probably still going to be triggered by people named Sarah or something. It's definitely a step forward and getting rid of those annoying accidental triggers. And you can only install betas, by the way, on the newer models. So um, oh, if you're afraid of bricking right. your original HomePods, you can't install the betas on those anyway. So Gotcha. Real quick, I'm running the TVOS 17 beta. Really enjoying that. The new control center is awesome. We've talked about that on recent HomeKit Insiders. One wish, I wish they had updated any of the settings in the restrictions. You can actually get to the restrictions on Apple TV, which again is like if you want to do any kind of parental controls on the Apple TV, the restrictions menu, that's what it's for. And you, there's actually a shortcut now to the restrictions menu in Control Center in TVOS 17, but there is no more options than there were in TVOS 16. And the biggest hurdle for that is the only way to restrict certain apps on the Apple TV is by age. And certain applications like YouTube or other streaming services like even Disney Plus or whatever, they've changed their age rating. And so basically I have to put in a passcode to open like 90% of the apps on the Apple TV, which is a little frustrating because then the kids can't open it themselves. So I'm really hoping, obviously it's not coming with tvOS 17, but in some future version that they add more granular control like screen time, like change the terminology because restrictions doesn't even match screen time, which is on every other Apple device. Change it to screen time, actually have measurements so you can actually see how many hours have been watched or played. Then you can also do time restrictions like you can where if someone has an hour of game time, one of my kids has an hour of game time for Sneaky Sasquatch or whatever, it'll track it across all the devices. But right now it won't track it on Apple TV. And it's the same game and it's their same iCloud account because you can switch users. So I'm really hoping for better screen time settings on that Apple TV. Yeah, I mean, user profiles need a lot of work. I, if it were me designing this, you would have it so you could go to a kid's profile and then require password, like, or even just make the apps that you don't want there disappear, right? When you're in the kid's profile. Right. And then when you go to the adult profile, ask for a password the one time to activate that adult profile and then everything's unlocked, right? Like right. that uh, that would be clever to me. And I think Apple's still working on this, but this is definitely them kind of playing around with the multi-user functionality on something. And maybe eventually we'll see some of this come to iPad, but I did want to bring up one last thing on tvOS and it's funny that we're even talking about tvOS. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I have a gripe with Apple. Sure, sure. Their new feature where you can set memories as your screensavers looks so beautiful and amazing on the keynote stage and the and the photographs are always like professionally shot and lit even the facetime call that they exampled like the everyone on the facetime call had spotlights on them and none of them were grainy uh, no one was like awkwardly like in the bathroom answering the phone or anything like it was just this perfect situation that no one will ever be in right and then i go and i'm like mm, i want to try out the, the memories function right so I, I go and i turn off aerials and i go change the screensaver to my phone photo memories and the first thing it shows is like just like someone's waste from a photo that was taken in portrait mode and i'm like what what is happening here <laughs> like where's my beautiful like arrangement of photos like i thought this was supposed to be somewhat intelligent so and then like every photo that it went through was cropped in four by three so there's like a gray bar on either side of the tv versus like their examples are like these perfect screen filled things and i'm like I, it, need, it needs a little more work apple come on like i want my because i take some good photos i like not to my own horn and I, I, I enjoy my own photos, bring those to the surface and let me see them. You know, I've got some like deployment photos and I've got a lot of family events 
uh, portraits of people. Why are you showing me like random fountain that I took, you know, or like random uh, poorly cropped image? <laughs> right. I, you know, there should be a little more intelligence there. It's just there, just one of those few times that their example is just a little bit better than the reality, at least in the beta form. The last thing I want to talk about macOS Sonoma beta. I'm actually not running that beta on any of my Macs because I'm very protective about the Macs. They're pretty mission critical. But a new feature in the public beta that came out, and it will be available in developer beta as well, is that you can actually get iCloud password extensions for third-party browsers on the Mac. And this was a weird quirk where you could actually get the iCloud password extension for Chrome on Windows, but for some reason they wouldn't let you do it on the Mac. So if you wanted to run Chrome or Brave and still access your iCloud passwords, you know, where it actually auto-filled, you couldn't do that. Well, that's now changed in the latest betas of macOS Sonoma. You can get those iCloud keychains and you can use it in Chrome, in Brave or Microsoft Edge. And I think it is definitely one step closer to being able to use iCloud keychain and passwords for maybe everything as opposed to a third-party password app. Apple is slowly eroding those walls away um, yeah. with each release. of, uh, and, and it's like they keep surfacing new features. It's just like, oh, by the way, here's this whole new thing. Ricky Mondello on Twitter was sharing this, and they were like, yeah, I'm not sharing any new information. This was revealed like in a WWDC session, <laughs> but we're all covering it with Fever because we're like, oh, we're, we're just now figuring this out because we can't watch the 3,000 hours of sessions uh, about everything. So I, I find this cool. Um, obviously, I, I don't really use any third-party browsers uh, personally, but I like that people who do or have to move to other machines now have extensions on Mac, extensions on Windows. There's a lot more options. And I, I, while we're on passwords, I have a question for you. I kind of noticed something while I was playing around with the passwords section again. You can set up password groups for sharing, right? Yes. But I noticed you don't have to actually assign anyone to a password group. You can just leave it as your own personal password group. Interesting. Which means we can, using this feature that probably wasn't built for this, but I'm going to do it anyway. You can organize your passwords into sections. And then if some, for whatever reason, you know, you need to share them, they're already organized into different sections. You can say unilaterally, here's all my entertainment passwords and just, you know, assign it to someone for a weekend staying in your house or something and then revoke them uh, after that. <laughs> of course, maybe you might have to go change your passwords if you think they're being sneaky, but again, trustworthy people uh, only in this. But I like the idea of being able to go through my 300 or so passwords and organizing them into little sections for, you know, shopping yeah. or whatever and have it easier to locate things rather than just alphabetically. And that's, I do hope they add different categories because the one issue that I'm going to have trying to move over completely, I call keychain from one password are things like rewards numbers for, you know, like Delta and United. I even keep like passport numbers in there for my travel documents. I keep some serial numbers and serial codes like for software. And it's really makes you put in like a URL and username and password for an entry into that. I, I know I've said this before. I know I could use like a protected note or whatever. Yeah, that's but, what I do. It, I mean, not that software keys are really a thing anymore, but. But 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 even like, like when I'm doing, let's say travel arrangements. Sure. You know, having the login for Delta.com with my rewards number, with my passport number, all in the same place right now, namely in one password, makes it like the one place where all of my sensitive information is. And to have to like open up a protected note and then also the settings app, because that's where passwords lives on the Mac. You know, having all these different windows for that, it's just not as seamless. And so hopefully they add like additional categories in the future. Yeah. Or at least let you just put in notes without having to put in like a website username and password. Uh, I want to talk about uh, my cracked iPhone real quick. <laughs> just... 
This episode is brought to you by ZocDoc. It is one of my favorite apps. Number one, because it's free. And number two, trying to find a doctor that takes your insurance. Maybe you're looking for a new doctor because you moved like I did about a year ago. You can ask people, you can search in Apple Maps trying to find a doctor, but you never know if they actually take your insurance. And to call and make an appointment, that is just an effort in futility. No one wants to do that. So find a doctor who actually gets you, listens to you, makes you feel comfortable, and you can do it all with a free app. ZocDoc is how you do it. It's the free app where you can find amazing doctors and book appointments in real life. I looked for a new primary doctor after we moved. I was trying to find one near me and took my insurance. All I had to do was take my insurance card. I scan it into the ZocDoc app. It sees your insurance provider. It sees your group ID and plan. So you, and if you it can't tell from the card, you can just PPO or HMO plan you have. And then when you search for a doctor, you're only seeing results from doctors who take your insurance. And it's important you see those patient five-star, four-star reviews so you can actually see what other people think of these doctors that you're seeing in the ZocDoc app. Not only can you book in-person appointments, many are available within 48 hours. You can actually book telehealth appointments. You can book it online if you want to do a virtual appointment. I did that for one of my kids through the ZocDoc app. And all those reviews are verified from actual real patients, not bots. And we're talking about booking appointments with thousands of top-rated patient reviews, doctors, and specialists. You can do that through the app too. And you can filter those ones specifically who take your insurance located near you and treat almost any condition you're looking for. Just book them with a few taps in the free ZocDoc app. Don't go just to the app store. Instead, go to this link so they know you came and found ZocDoc through Apple Insider. Go to ZocDoc.com slash Apple Insider and download the ZocDoc app for free, totally free. And you can find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash Apple Insider. ZocDoc dot com slash Apple Insider. Our thanks to ZocDoc for sponsoring this episode. Uh, I want to talk about uh, my cracked iPhone real quick, just because this happened just yesterday. And I think it's the second time only that I've I've cracked my iPhone like this. But I've dropped my iPhone uh, with the case on in the past. Have you dropped your, your 14 Pro Max? Oh, yeah. I mean, I described, if you remember, uh, I used the bike mount that uses rubber bands and MagSafe to hold it to the handlebars. Right. And I hit a significant bump and it just slingshotted it straight to the ground, but nothing happened. So right into the pavement. I've dropped mine multiple times. I usually use the Apple silicone or the Apple leather case, and it usually works plenty well. And I've dropped it before a couple times this past year, and it's been great. Screen has been totally fine, not even a scratch. So yesterday, I dropped the phone, and it landed It's seemingly perfectly flush to the ground, face down. Awful. Like sc- screen down, flush on the ground. And I didn't see it, but I heard it, and it had that telltale slap of just like, flat on the ground. And I was like, that did not sound good. But I was confident. I've dropped it multiple times before. Apple's been working on shatterproofing the front glass, at least. And so I picked it up and I looked at the screen, unlocked it. Perfect. Front screen, no issue. Looks great. Not a problem. And so I just go on with my day. And only later, I I think I was eating and I put it on the table face down and I see by my cameras some cracks. And I said, oh no. Something might have happened as I dropped this phone earlier today. And so I take it out of the silicone case only to find a across the Spider-Verse like web of cracks on the back of my phone. It actually kind of looks like a cool design, I'll be honest. I'll put it as the <laughs> the chapter art so you can see what these cracks look like. But it is totally shattered, uh, the back, even into the camera mesa. You don't feel anything. Like it's pretty smooth. Like you can run your finger across the cracks. Yeah. Probably not advisable, but... 
totally smooth, but also totally shattered. What's the Japanese art of breaking things and then fixing them with gold? So just yes. fill your fill your cracks in with gold, and it'll be a beautiful design on the back of your iPhone. That is a great call to that Kintsugi. Kintsugi. It's K I N T S U G I. Kintsugi. Yeah, you get it's T S U is a, is a, it's its own syllable. Gotcha. Kintsugi. It's called Golden Repair or Golden Joinery. Pretty cool name. I can I recommend. Uh, ditching the silicon case for aramid fibers because I can dribble this phone like a basketball. Don't recommend, but and I haven't had any <laughs> issues. And this is the thinnest little case that I've ever used, and it is great. Okay, I... P- Pitaka is what I'm using right now. Right, Pitaka. Ah, I've tried so many third-party cases, and for some reason, just the feel of the Apple silicone and leather just... Oh, I love it. I, I Like, I right now, I, I like every time I see a Nomad case, I'm drooling because I just want to, like, go and buy one immediately because I love leather. And personally... I love caseless, but if I, but since I've started riding like my e-bikes or whatever, I can't do it because it, it just takes one slip up of even just pulling it off of the mountain and, and falling to the concrete. It's over, yeah. if, especially if there's no case on it. And uh, I've, no, I've noticed the durability of these things to be really good. It is kind of like a bulletproof vest. Once you've broken it, though, you need to get a new case. Right. Yeah, like it's it's interesting. I, I I can't wait for the day that Apple makes an iPhone so good that they like take a hammer to it on stage, Elon Musk style. And uh, <laughs> well, hopefully it doesn't break like that window on the Cybertruck, <laughs> famously. But I, I I've you know so I asked on social media. I was like, should I get this fixed? And I realized afterwards it was a dumb absolutely. Well, I realized it was a dumb question because I do the iPhone upgrade program, and if I were to send it back with the crack, like they're gonna make me pay whatever deductible to fix it. And so I have an appointment for the Genius Bar tomorrow as we record, Friday. I'm going to go in, get it checked out. And I looked online, supposedly a back glass replacement without Apple Care is like- like $550. It's like $500. Yeah. With Apple Care, $30. $30 for the back glass. But I had a couple of people on social media say, if it goes into the camera mount, then it's a different story. That might actually require- a full replacement. It, it'll be called a full device replacement, but even then, um, you're still out only maybe what one fifty or something like that. I think it's, it's only ninety nine dollars uh, for a replacement with Apple Care. So I'm not yeah not worried so much about the cost. I'm curious whether or not it's going to be a replacement or they just replace the back. I will report back uh, next week's episode, of course. But yeah, there it is. And listen, I know people are like, nah, I never do Apple Care, yada yada. When it comes to the phone, I'm an Apple Care uh, enthusiast. I think it's a good idea. Apple care. So Steven, so I wanted to discuss your, your broken phone story, if only because yeah. you were pretty confident of, oh, I've dropped my phone so many times and uh, it's never had an issue before. All right. So I'm about, I'm about to um, drop some, drop some fun knowledge on you. So <laughs> material science, right? Material yes. science. Yes. Always found it kind of interesting because we had to learn about this nuclear power and you, you hear about like this boat that broke in half because of brittle fracture, right? We're not talking about brittle fracture, but it's a similar concept where everything's already kind of broken. So think so. Think of the time when you were, I don't know, when you learned this, when you're like nine years old and you learned that there are just literally germs everywhere and there's nothing you can do about it. Once you just kind of realize that, you have to come to terms with it and decide whether or not you're going to be a germaphobe and start wearing gloves. Same thing with glass. 
they're already it's already cracked. You just can't see it. There are there are always going to be micro little uh, channels already forming, and every single time you drop your phone, no matter how perfect it looks and feels when you pick it up, those channels are getting a little bit wider, a little bit deeper, and it just takes that one time to push it over the edge for everything to just fall apart and shatter visibly mm. into larger pieces. So it's a it's a it's always a ticking time bomb on that front. So yeah, that's uh, Schrodinger's uh, <laughs> iPhone. Of course, it's it's always broken until you pick it up. Schrodinger's <laughs> iPhone. So I'll report back on the next episode. Let's do run through some uh, little bit of news here. Then we'll talk about Evernote and Bear, which two interesting stories to happen in the same week. But real quick, I had a follow up on the Apple Card. There was a listener, Glenn, on Twitter. He's actually a financial advisor, and he talked about when Goldman Sachs says that they lost a billion dollars on the Apple Core on the Apple Card. Apparently, financial companies like that will also refer to missed opportunity or money they could have made and didn't Mm -hmm. as a loss. And so it's not that Goldman Sachs is now a billion dollars in the hole because of supporting Apple Card, but for whatever reason, that a partnership means that there was a billion dollars they maybe could have made elsewhere, maybe through interest fees or whatever, and that they didn't. They expected more money. Yeah, they expected more money, which I think is just hilarious as a way to like report a loss, but okay. The credit card business, we, we knew this when Apple went into it. It is kind of a scummy business because it kind of relies yeah. on the idea that people aren't going to pay their bills and the it's interest fraught. is going to build up. It is fraught. Obviously, Goldman Sachs going into this business with Apple expected, oh yeah, credit card business. They did the same thing with their, I already forgot, Marcus brand and canceled it shortly after because for whatever reason, realize they're going into business with Apple whose users are generally more affluent. And apparently people were saying that you could easily get an Apple card, but there were some people getting denied. And it actually took me some time. Um, I was dealing with some post-Navy debt, whatever. So I didn't actually get an Apple card on launch day. I actually got one about a year later. So yeah, they were, they were actually pretty uh, strict on their, their checking. They weren't just giving it to anyone. And the people who could afford it, I think, are just paying their bills. And so the the missed opportunity Goldman Sachs is dealing with is the fact that people are actually just paying their bills. And uh, they they just weren't <laughs> expecting it to go so well. And, well. and I think that's why Apple isn't scared to pick this up because Apple's not looking to make money on Apple Card. It's a value add. So even if Goldman Sachs leaves and Apple has to move to American Express, which might happen, right. I, I still think they're going to try to take it in-house, which would be very interesting if they if be. they did. But um, I, I, I've heard uh, someone mention American Express as an option, so who knows? And also, they actually are running a 10% daily cash back for new Apple Card users. I think it was like a temporary promotion. Up to 100 bucks. Up to 100 bucks, you know, so but pretty good deal. But if you have already an Apple Card, it's not like... You can add a family member and they'll get 10% daily cash. This is for brand new Apple Card appliers and users, but 10% pretty good. A couple of other interesting Apple things. They've now opened a store on WeChat. So users in China who use WeChat will actually be able to purchase Apple devices like iPhone, iPad, and Mac in the WeChat app through this like digital retail store. We don't have something like this in the US. WeChat in China is literally an all, it's an everything app. This is what Elon Musk is trying to build with X. And WeChat is like, they'll do mobile payments. Obviously it is also messaging. 
And apparently you can buy products through WeChat. And so this is just like an all-encompassing thing. And now Apple actually has a store there offering users in China another way to buy products. I don't remember the names of the things, so excuse me, but this isn't the first time Apple's done this. There there are other super apps, I think they're called, uh-huh. in like India and other countries where Apple already has storefronts inside of those super apps. It just so happens they're coming to WeChat now. Interesting. Well, yeah, super, super interesting. So that link is in the show notes we want to read on that. Also, Threads, the social network from Meta. That by Instagram. I oh, I can do a whole episode on threads. I, don't I know, know if you but want to I do know. It. No, no, no. But I, I want to call out a couple of things. One, 100 million users in five days. So they hit that mark pretty quickly. And, I, you know, everyone's kind of wondering, obviously, how successful this will be long term, but also looking at Apple, because that will be telling. And especially from the media perspective, like when we report on an Apple event, my question is always going to be come September, iPhone event, we're watching it live. I typically, and Apple Insider, we usually like live tweet updates or live post the news as it comes during the keynote. And I know during WWDC, right then the question was like Mastodon and or Twitter. I tried to do both. Mastodon totally like pooped out. Like Mastodon could not keep up. So many posts were failing to post. So it was just like, I just did it on Twitter. Just live tweeted there. And that's where a lot of the activity was. So come September, I'm curious if threads will be a platform to do that kind of live posting. And one of the other things about doing it on which platform is what Apple accounts and Apple execs are on it. You look at Tim Cook, think about Greg Joswiak. You know, they will tweet whenever there's an Apple event. And WWDC was one of those times where Greg Joswiak will post WWDC with a funny GIF or a little video. Tim Cook, same thing. When it comes to threads, those execs are not on threads just yet. But Phil Schiller, Apple fellow, now has a threads account. Apple has moved some of their accounts like Apple Music, Books, and Apple News. They now have accounts over on Threads, but they're seemingly not like a at Apple Prime account just yet. And there's a lot of like subsidiary accounts like the Apple Classical account, which I love to tweet at them a lot. You know, we're like Apple, the Apple TV Plus account that's on Twitter is not on Threads yet. So looking to see if and when they move those over to Threads and will it start becoming a place where Tim Cook and Greg Joswiak actually post about Apple events, or is it still going to be this kind of like side deal? Well, Phil Schiller's on Mastodon, and that's all I need. That is true. Got my Apple fellow posting about... But Tim Cook and Greg Joswiak never made it to Mastodon. No, and I think... So Threads is interesting because it's it's obviously a product of Instagram, Facebook, Meta, whatever name they want to assign themselves today. It is funny. They keep calling Threads an Instagram app. Yeah, it's a It's like app. Instagram was already a Meta app. Yeah. So I don't, uh, yeah, it was weird. It's, it's a footnote of a footnote. Yeah. Go, because, so I don't, I don't want to waste anyone's time here. Go listen to the Daring Fireball episode with Joanna Stern, and they cover mm. quite a bit. If you've been paying attention to John Gruber at all, he's uh, very positive on Threads, and I agree with him on a lot of this. Like, it's a very clean, uh, well-run platform. The fact that it hasn't crashed uh, with 100 million users uh, being added to it is a technical phenomenon. They've done a really good job um, on that front. Instagram's uh, leadership is different from Facebook's, weirdly enough. They they are siloed in a way. There's there's reasons to use threads. I'm still not there, if only because my username is locked out. I used to have a Hilly Tech on Instagram, and I deleted it in favor of Hilly Photo just because it was Instagram. Now I can't go 
back because that doesn't make sense on threads. I don't want Hilly right. Photo on threads. And so I'm I'm in a conundrum. And again, I don't care. I don't really want to use a, fa- like personally, I don't want to use a Facebook app. So if you're wondering why I'm not there yet, I'm waiting out the ActivityPub integration because theoretically, right. once ActivityPub is added, I'll just be able to follow everyone's threads accounts from my Mastodon account and I won't need a threads account. So correct. So I like, that's where I am with this. It's fine. Let them do what they're doing. It was something someone was going to do this. It was going to be Google or Facebook. And I wouldn't be surprised if Google does this, but I did, I did like, again, like go, go watch the episode. I don't want to reiterate too much. John Gruber did bring up the fact that, uh, I, it might have been that I've listened to a lot of podcasts this week, but um, brought up the fact that Threads was an app in like 2020 that failed. That was going to be a Snapchat clone, and they've just oh. brought, reused the name entirely for this. Right. And they also brought up the fact that 100 million is impressive, but <laughs> guess how many users? Uh, what was it called? Google Circles or whatever? Google Plus? Google G+? Google Plus? Yeah. Uh, what was circ- they had circles inside of Google Plus? Um, yeah, that that uh, died with like that many users. They just kind of gave up on it. So I'm hopeful that this means good things for Activity Pub. It, it, it it's going to bring brands to it. So like Apple's apps, like Apple's things, will be a part of Activity Pub, and we'll be able to follow it from anywhere. Like it kind of justifies its existence, and that's that's nice. And hopefully other companies follow suit as long as they don't somehow bork their Activity Pub integration. We'll we'll see what happens there. Yeah, and the the Activity Pub integration is is the huge open thread mm-hmm. if you will oh, uh, whether or not it actually will uh, accept it integrated but we'll see Intr- I, I, even if i could have my username i don't even know that i would use it because again it just feels dirty i mean i i'm managing some social stuff but i'm not doing it for my iphone i don't want a facebook right. apps on my iphone i i have it installed on my ipad and it's fine as a as an iphone app sure. that's where everyone's going and i i just wanted to point out while i have a a, a platform to, to say it on 100 million is great but we need to frame it differently. I, everyone's on the hype train. And again, the technical achievement of getting 100 million people on a platform in a week is great. And I'm not taking that away from anyone. When you have over 2 billion users across the globe on Instagram, and the first thing they see when they click on their Instagram app after Threads launches, get your Threads account, click this button, and they're automatically download the app, automatically sign in, and they have the same username. Bam. Like, it's it's... Obviously, social graph is great. You're going to bring in all of your existing users. They're going to tick up to that 1 billion mark very quickly in the next couple months. And we already know, Mark Zuckerberg said it, he's going to start doing advertisements on threads as soon as they hit a billion users. Oh, sure. And that's, you know, and that's fine. I I don't have anything against social media and ads. That's, you know, that's part of the platform. Yeah. That's where we're going. And I just wonder if this is another zeitgeist kind of moment where everyone's there and then no one's there. And 100%, this is Instagram and Meta taking advantage of the social graph they already have. No other company, as no matter how popular the new app or service was, could have moved this number of people over this quickly. So Google Plus was huge and had a lot of users because yeah, basically you got a Google Plus account because you had a Google ID, right? You, if you had an Android phone, you had a Google Plus account. And that's why it was so big and empty at the same time. Now threads is not empty, but for me it's virtually unusable because I can't see like the threads of people I follow without some workarounds or whatever. Right. But also I just looked up a business insider article for this from 2015, but it said Google plus it had 2.2 billion users, but, but only four to 6 million people were engaging. And I do think, again, at least right now, you might be right that this is a zeitgeist moment. And like three months from now, it might not be as active. 
but it does feel like it is very active right now. Speaking of threads. I, I, I just want to point out, I saw these same conversations happening three weeks ago about Blue Sky. Everyone's oh, here. But yeah, but Blue, so Blue, active. I know, no, I know no, Blue no, Sky's no. at only like 10,000 people. I understand that they're really small right I now. Would not, I would never say that. Like Blue Sky, the app is bad because it's invite <laughs> only. There's no way you're going right, to get right, that many right. users. And I did not find it active. I did not find anywhere near as many people followed me there. But that was, that was the kind of conversation happening around Blue Sky. But then right before Blue Sky, that was the same conversation around Noster. And of course, again, Social Graph wins. Uh, I don't think yeah. this app's going anywhere. Facebook's obviously invested a lot in it. They expected to snipe Elon at some point. They brought it out early, if only to take advantage of the right. weirdness of rate limiting, right? And if anyone's wondering, by the way, because I, I haven't been on the show in a couple weeks, uh, I'm not really active on Twitter anymore after they rate limited everything. I just I just deleted the app. <laughs> <laughs> I access it through the browser and check my notifications, and that's, that's it. I'm not scrolling the timeline anymore. Well, and of, of all the tidbits of information i do think that is the most most telling whether or not this keeps up with the engagement or all 100 million users continue to be active on threads as a platform i think the one thing that is inarguable unarguable yeah the one thing you could be sure of <laughs> there are users who were on twitter that saw that threads, threads that are now on threads saw it as an alternative and are no longer tweeting no longer active there like this was the out that Mastodon, that mm-hmm. Blue Sky, that whatever weird service. No one else there. could do this. No one else could do this. But but the fact that people moved over and are like, you can see the cloud fair, flare graph of like Twitter traffic usage. Just take a dive after Threads came out. And I think Threads played it right and it have a good enough app. Clearly there's things missing. There's bugs. They've admitted that, but they, they played it right. And you know, Zuckerberg's been doing this for a few years. There's a lot of nails in Twitter's coffin. And this is, this is yet another nail. We were missing this. Uh, And and again, like Facebook aside, I just, I despise the company. Yeah, sure. Uh, But like Facebook aside, they came in at a moment of weakness for Twitter and everyone jumped on it. And that, yeah. I don't think Threads is going anywhere. This isn't some random project of Mark Zuckerberg. This isn't another meta. Uh, it, could, it could be another meta in, in two years. We, we'll see. Right now, they're serious about it. Right now, they're putting money into it. And you can see Twitter freaking out. Elon Musk and his new CEO puppet um, actively defending against Threads uh, by posting basically uh, massaged metrics in order to try and convince people Twitter's still alive. It's still amazing. It has the most minutes used uh, since February or whatever. And it's, it's all nonsense just trying to distract from what's happening which is the utter implosion of users exactly on on twitter and uh, i i want to see where we are in six months uh, of course there might be seven more social networks between now and then that we discuss there is fatigue you know i think there is social network fatigue i think people are yeah. tired of trying new social networks tired of signing up for new social networks and threads is good enough and accessible enough to most people where I don't think any other one after this is going to be considered with this style of posting, with this micro blogging, whatever you want to call it. This will likely, because uh, this is very flash in the pan, and I don't know if the ingredients will ever exist for this to happen again. It's very iPhone. This is the biggest social me- network launch ever and probably will yeah. ever be because everything was lined up for 100 million people to jump ship immediately. There are already more Threads users than Twitter users. Right, right. Active users. I know. Active users. Active users, yeah, for sure. I know know Twitter's somewhere around 300 million, technically, like 400 million maybe by now. Accounts. Like accounts that have been created. I have five Twitter accounts that I've not logged into in like six years. Look, let me me put it this way. I know I'm I'm, I'm a small entity on Twitter. I only have 1,050 followers. Yeah. I think 10 of those people are active, of the people who follow me. 
right? Like that's 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 where I am. Like I tweet something, and yeah, like I'm not always tweeting the most engaging things. So I I get it, but like I tweet something and I get just nothing, right? Well, and I do think I, I listen. If you would have told me six months ago that I was like being a like an enthusiast for a meta app, like I would have told you you were crazy. But here's the thing: I know individuals who I know in real life, good friends and such, yeah, who were on Twitter, but only to really scroll and consume like they did not post for whatever reason and i think that's a majority of any of the followings on twitter like there was a large large percentage that were just not active those same exact people are on threads now and are actively posting like they do in instagram stories and for whatever reason maybe it's because it's new maybe because it feels more like instagram than it does like twitter they feel more comfortable to post different kinds of content it's and it's the algorithm but the algorithm is not making them post like no they had plenty of years to like tweet and post things and they just didn't and i do think whatever the feel is maybe it's just because they actually have more of the friends they have in real life which was part of that initial instagram following is now also on threads whereas they didn't right. have that kind of following on twitter but now it's combined like for me personally there was an entire world of people i interacted with on twitter just in the tech and podcast space that I did not interact before Twitter or in other places. And there was a whole bunch of like individuals I knew from IRL, like real life and people that were on Instagram that never came to Twitter and never interacted there. And now somehow threads, because it just took advantage of this moment has actually somehow combined those two worlds and people who I know in real life will see a post about a tech thing that I do and will respond to it. And the techie people that followed on Twitter are also responding on the same post. And like, there is something like the first like network to really cross that bridge between like the tech enthusiasts and like real people, just not tech enthusiasts, but are side interested in it. And like, somehow threads managed to do it. So it's, it feels more and more like the, this, like this Twitter like thing has come and gone. I, for at least for me, Mastodon works for me. And, and if we see like an exodus from Mastodon to, to threads, and I know they're, it, once activity pubs active, they're technically the same thing, but they're right. not right. They're right. not. If we see an exodus there and uh, Macedon kind of like dries up and it's more of just a, everyone's on Facebook again. Great. I'll just, I, I'll really feel pressure just to never use any of these things again. Like it just, if only because like, I feel like we need a social media revolution and more of the same just isn't it. I think we need something else to step in and change the game a little bit. We don't need another Snapchat or a Facebook or an Instagram, uh, this ad based content model, whatever, like, we just need a better personal social graph system. None of this is it. And Macedon's the closest to small friend groups that I've felt on the internet in a long time. Uh, it's very forum-like. It's very, yeah. you know, and being able to choose who I follow and what I see is nice. And that's why I'm more active there. So all I'm saying is, it's like, as much as I complain about like Facebook and, uh, you know, I, I have my nitpicky problems with all these companies. doesn't mean I'm not going to go and use their products because, you know, again, they're, they're part of the world. I'm not going to blind myself, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, cut off my nose to spite my face. I will complain the whole time I'm there, but it's just one of those things. It's just like, well, everyone else is here. So if, so if you see me on threads, which I'm going to, I'm going to see if there's uh, if I can get the account Hilly thread, maybe that'll, maybe that's <laughs> <Hilly a> good... <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, anyway, so yeah, yeah, yeah. 
moving on, I just wanted to say, like, this is all very interesting to me. I want to see what the world does because this is one of the few times where tech and normal people cross over. I had yes. people asking me who were Twitter users, like you said, like follow people, artists and stuff. I was like, where do I go now that it's rate limited? That was like two days before threads came out. Right. I was like, you know, you can go set up this, this uh, Mastodon thing. And they did. And they're like, I have no idea how to find anyone on this platform. So. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So we'll see where it all ends up, and uh, I'm kind of here for it. Let's let's, uh, yeah, let's let, let, let let them fight, as they say. <laughs> That's right. All right. Quickly, just here at the end, I want to talk about two note apps. Just a tale of two cities, if you will. Bear, my beloved note app, I've been using for years, had a huge version release this week, version 2.0. It has taken them years and years to put out this release. The Verge has an article. There are other articles, and it is just a massive upgrade. And I just, I love everything about it. I'm using it on my Mac and my iPhone. I format all the show notes for this podcast and other shows. I take personal notes, work notes, everything in Bear. And some of the new features that it just immediately made a huge difference was the ability to hide markdown formatting, but still see it like bold, italic, and links. It makes it so much nicer to read the notes. URL previews and those little cards. There's more styling options if you want to use just straight up rich text, bold, italic, and intersperse that with markdown. You can now do that in a Bear note. One of the huge differences is Apple Notes doesn't support Markdown, and that's just a requirement of me for using a note app like that. If you have HTML in a Bear note, which I actually format all of my podcast show notes into HTML and put that in Bear, before it was just all gray text because it really didn't distinguish HTML. Well, now Bear 2.0 actually colors the HTML like you would hope as like a code editor, and it is wonderful. Plus, it does tables. You can actually do table of contents with different heading styles in a Bear note. You can do backlinks like you would in Notion or Roam Research. It is just an incredible update. Can't recommend enough. It is a wonderful, wonderful app. And uh, that's I just can't say enough good things about it. It's just great. I know you don't use Bear though, right? No, I've used Bear in the past. Uh, it's a really yeah. great app, but yeah. a grand consolidation of apps uh, led me to Apple Notes. So Apple Notes is so good. I mean, it has gotten very good. But I think the Bear Note app is such a stark contrast to the other news this week which was Evernote, whereas their parent company, Bending Spoons, is laying off most of their U.S. and Chile workforce, moving everything to Europe, and it's just another nail in the coffin for Evernote as an app, which is just a wild thought experiment to think about. Evernote was one of the first truly massive productivity apps on the iPhone. It did so much so early, like OCR, the text recognition, and being able to search that way. It could handle multiple file types like PDFs and images, different notes. The app was actually really good for a while and then it got not so good, which you could ask William because he just stopped using it because it lost some data. But it was just such, it had a huge head start in this note and productivity. CGP Gray, who I listened to on the Cortex and he has a CGP Gray YouTube channel, huge Evernote's user. And somehow Evernote just lost its way in its development and keeping up. And it's just getting better. And it's just such a stark contrast with Bear putting the updates, putting in the time, putting in the work to making it a great app that is beloved by so many. And Evernote, which had a huge audience that really loved it and just letting it kind of go by the wayside and, and failing. It's kind of sad. And so rip Evernote. It's not gone yet. You know, it's still around, probably going to be around for another few years, but it is just not 
seeing the success as some of these other note apps. And it's just, uh, it's kind of sad to see it go. It's sad to see anything end. Uh, speaking of things ending, I, I wanted to bring up a very small thing that no one here has ever heard of called Jumbo. <laughs> oh, what is that? So, okay, I, me being the privacy nerd I am, I'm always looking for these tools that uh, add privacy and help you reduce your internet footprint or or you know build a moat around your house yeah yeah so like so jumbo privacy they they did 2fa codes which i didn't use because i used apple passwords but they had like heck you could buy a personal id like a internet like uh insurance or whatever for identity theft and like they had these tools that would tell you have you been hacked give us your email addresses or you know like there is just this whole privacy system you could actually this app started out and what i really liked about it was you could sign into your facebook and your twitter and your instagram and it would auto archive and then delete your posts. So that way you had access to everything you've ever posted. It wouldn't stay on the internet, right? Reducing your footprint. And, but you still had an archive of everything you posted kind of like in a little library. That's nice. They got bought out and uh, they are closing down this week. So that makes oh, me sad. Man. Yeah. Well, that stinks. And, but I also think it is kind of telling no matter how much of a head start and no matter how much of a loyal and large user base you have, no app or service or social network is immune from just blowing it and totally just disappearing just disappearing and just going away and it's you know sometimes i think about just the big tech brands as a whole you have apple it's going to be around for a very long time you have google you have microsoft other brands like coca-cola and nike 100 plus years you know you look at those brands and apple and google are actually fairly young compared to some of those long standing ones but when it comes to especially like apps services you know, things like that that are are new and also run by much smaller teams and I think are even more susceptible to if you fail and how it's being run or how it's being updated, that it it can go away, you know, fairly quickly. Like you think of Evernote, it has only has been alive as long as the App Store, which just celebrated its 15 year anniversary. So in an arc of less than 15 years, Evernote came to prominence, super popular, and now is like dying off again pretty pretty quickly. So it's just Oh, it's just interesting to me, and I find that stuff kind of sad, but also fascinating. And you know, a fickle world we live in. It is. I now am the proud owner of the account Hilly Threads. So <laughs> there you go. go, Hilly Threads. You did it. I just I had to think about it. I had to figure out where you I was going to go. Yeah. That was good. Well, listeners, uh, let us know how you feel about Threads. How you feel about Evernote? How you feel about the public betas? If you installed it on your devices, and if you're having trouble with that, or it's great. Let us know your favorite features. You can, well, I'll, I'll put the Wes's thread now username in the show notes. So you can contact us on Twitter, on Mastodon, on Threads, on Carrier Pigeon, whatever you'd like. Support the show. You could go to patreon.com slash Apple Insider or indirectly an Apple podcast to get the ad-free version and early access. And I know I would love to do bonus content for you listeners. So let me, let me know. If there's some like kind of bonus content you would like to hear, if it's just like totally off the cuff, like personal stuff, you'd like just to go like super nerd out on an app or shortcuts, whatever it is, let me know if you'd like to hear some kind of bonus content. Those who subscribe to the show, and uh, if you don't subscribe, what what makes you subscribe? What kind of content? But as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of the Apple Insider team, audience, whatever you will call us, the Apple Insider Army, and we'll see you next time.